Hello everyone, it's your Friendly Neighborhood Editor, and I would like to welcome you back for the second half of our interview with Andrew Gillis, and to remind you to keep your eyes on that Evil Hat Productions page, and be ready for Girl by Moonlight when it is released. We hope you enjoy the rest of this, and you're ready for our next new adventure to premiere next week. Um, so speaking of kind of design and coming up with you know, your own take on existing systems and hacks and stuff. Did you find that having people in your social circle who were also game designers helped or were like, were you trying to distance yourself a little bit more from like their particular flavor of things to where it kind of um, made things more difficult or, or how'd that go? So yeah, my experience when looking for help uh, was that I had a lot of trouble finding any um, and was like, well, fuck it. I guess I have to make my own help, which is why I did that project with streaming all my game design. So I could be like, well, would be game designer, go look at me fail at this for 20 hours and then eventually kind of start figuring it out and then do it. And like, yeah, here is a record. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of my desire to be transparent about my process was to, make there be a thing that now exists where someone can be like, cool, go watch me design a game. You might learn something. Even if it is to just say, Andrew's wrong. They're doing this wrong. I can do that. Better. <laughs> like, great. Sure. Totally helpful. That's more than I had. So um, a big part of it was to just be like, fuck it and go make my own um, because there is very little material available. Um, I have, I have John's ear. I could like bug him whenever the fuck I wanted, but I didn't, uh, mostly, um, out of respect for his time, uh, and out of a stubborn desire to do things myself, which is dumb <laughs> and wrong, uh, but I have it. Uh, and then, uh, I did ask him for help every now and then. Uh, John is the kind of guy I think is helpful, and Strasha said as much to me as well. Uh, sorry, John, if you ever watch this and feel offended, but... John is really good if you have very specific questions um, and like a clear thing that you like, if you know a lot already, John is the kind of guy who can really get you from like 90% to 100%. Um, he is really good at being generally supportive as well, which is great. He is not the guy for me to go to, to be like, John, I don't know how to do this thing. God help me. What do I do? Is he doesn't want to step on my vision. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he doesn't want to make this John's game. He wants it to stay Andrew's game. Uh, and so he, and I think there's like totally merit to this approach, right? He doesn't want to say, oh, you should do this or you should do it this way. He doesn't want to make those kinds of calls. Um, even though there were situations desperately wanted someone to make those calls. <laughs> um, and so I kind of sussed this out without ha like it wasn't like I was constantly begging him to tell me what to fuse or anything it was just like clearly this wasn't where it was going to go uh, and that was not the kind of help that I should expect so I didn't um and so unfortunately yeah my answer is no like every now and then for very specific things people come in and help me the most helpful designer has far and away like helpful in the sense of like the most hands-on in their help and the most mm -hmm. willing and able to come to the table and do that kind of work uh, has been Luke, uh, who's Games from the Wildwood 
uh, in chat and they're an Australian game designer. Uh, they are super rad. They workshopped my game with me. Uh, we basically went through every fucking ability on every playbook together and they nice. helped me kind of suss it out. We also went through all the lists of prompts for all the setting stuff and they helped me kind of edit and pare those down. Uh, and then I have done the same for them with their game uh, and cool. gone through and done like, like it's basically like half workshopping, half editing, uh, but done in parallel. Uh, so the two of us did kind of like a work trade for that. And that was immensely helpful, uh, both to have just like someone as a sounding board and then as much an expert as I am at the very least. Um, I think Luke's probably a more experienced designer than I am, honestly. Uh, and so the two of us getting to sit together and workshop stuff was great. It was really helpful. Uh, Ash, who is a Sedjak in chat, uh, has also been helpful. Uh, she like facilitated a playtest of my game on her channel, and we got to play it. Uh, and she's a designer, and she provided some feedback. So I do have a community of designers that I stumbled into entirely on accident, uh, and they have helped me out. But it's probably not the people that folks would expect, where they're like, you know, Adam. Adam designed a game. And like, yes, I know Adam and Adam and I are friends. And that's why I'm not subjecting him to helping me <laughs> with design because I know that he's <laughs> way too fucking busy. Also, weirdly, like, and I think Adam wouldn't like correct me on this. Like, Adam's not much of a game designer. Like, he's not really super into designing games. Uh, he's not the kind of person who's like super jazzed to be doing the craft. Um, I think he like can, he, he's, fully capable and can do it, but he either doesn't have the time or the inclination to do it all the time. Uh, and so I don't want to drag him into it. Uh, and he's got lots of other shit he's doing. Uh, also, he's never going to finish one with Knight if I ask him any questions ever. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's on the ticket for that. He's got to make that at some point. Uh, so, yeah, the community support of, of designers that have been supporting me have not been the ones that I might have expected or other people might expect but I have found them. Um, I have also heard good things about the gauntlet, which I know Fraser is involved in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there are like all kinds of secret game designers out there. As a collective, designers of role-playing games are not very well organized, not very accessible, not very... No one fucking writes anything down and shares it with people in my experience. <laughs> you know, like there's just, there's no fucking man. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. It's like recipes for Cajun food. Everybody's got their own and nobody wants to tell you what it is. Yeah. There's this really like working in isolation, auteur kind of vibe, which again, I could point my finger at kind of like the prevailing culture within the space and be like, this is part of why. Cause again, there aren't a lot of like, community builders and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, and that's all part of it as well. So, or the types of communities that are built are not very welcome, super opaque. Um, yeah, it's like, it's difficult. The information is out there. I'm trying to help chip away at that by making my process really avail you know, visible and available. But yeah, it's tough. I don't know, like, people who are local would be way better to like fucking when I do a six hour design workshop with Luke who lives in Australia, 
that means that I'm staying up until like <laughs> two in the morning. Yeah. It's not the most convenient. It would be real nice yeah. if we could go to a coffee shop with someone and just sit down. Oh, also I am like personal friends with Avery Alder, the designer of Monster Hearts. I have never talked to her about my game. <laughs> like all my big famous game designer friends have had no input on this game. <laughs> it's That's... dumb. That's actually really interesting to me because I feel like, and this is as a complete outsider, but like I get this impression that like there's like this cadre of people that's that's up there designing games. And Gosh, I wish that would be nice. And they just like descend as a host of angels and yeah. lift me up into their ranks and hand me a exactly and things. Yeah, like you climb out. the stairs to Mount Olympus, and then they're all up there like around a table. With... They're all like pulling their hair out on their current project, and oh, I don't know. <laughs> like four weeks ago <laughs> like everyone's just too fucking busy trying to make shit happen yeah so that's really interesting because like you can go to like uh the writers groups are a thing that's like super prolific mm-hmm. but not design group yeah i mean the field of game design is really young uh or stunted hasn't grown you know like yeah i think that's, yeah, that's... it's it's not necessarily that it's new it's hasn't doesn't feel very like deeply instantiated or at least not in north america um there have been some kind of incidental communities like the pacific northwest is pretty good for there being lots of game designers in a fairly tight space and a lot of them happen to like play together and stuff but that is as much happenstance as anything else um and so there isn't a lot of like formal or structured ways to there aren't a lot of formal or structured ways to kind of get into the craft Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of designers are fucking weirdos. Like, <laughs> like Vincent Baker, for all of his merits, like that dude literally says, to do it, you do it. Like he makes these incredibly reductive, useless statements. And, and people would like nod their head and are like, ah, oh, yes, uh, very wise. Like, that's fucking nonsense. Come on. <laughs> And like he is, Vincent is deliberately obtuse about stuff, and that is a is not helpful. It is it's cool and makes him this very neat like cult figure, but it doesn't help me learn game design. He yeah. obscures a lot of his design practice. Yeah. <laughs> so people are people are being like deliberately obstinate about sharing their process. Like, come on. That's I I feel that frustration. That just sounds that sounds kind of frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there is kind of the expectation that you stumble through it, and then if you can like publish a game, maybe talk to you or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> still waiting, still waiting on your invite to the club. That, yeah, they haven't works? descended and given me my wings and trumpet. So uh, that's actually stunted is a really interesting way to put that because when I think about because I I uh, have a habit of just like collecting old RPG books, like uh, things I'll never play. But stuff that's like from you know way back to present, and you can definitely see like it come in waves where there's new mm-hmm. stuff, um, and a lot of the stuff that comes out is not very good, so it goes away really fast, and nobody remembers it. But I wonder how much like the new interconnectedness that we have now with the internet and stuff, where I can just like it's, reach it's out happening. and find a thing, right? Yeah, you can you can tweet at your favorite designer and be like, "Why'd you design it this way?" And they might answer. Um, and like, we have also seen this thing of like the main way that design information, like technique, gets communicated is in finished product, 
where like Apocalypse World comes out and then a bunch of people are able to learn from it by deconstructing it and like reverse engineering their own games out of it. And similarly, uh -huh. uh, when John designed Blades, there was this idea of like having there be the the structure of the game with its various layers permitting hacking of it uh, and mm -hmm. making that something that was more transparent to people. So it's like clear how you can go about it uh, and that the, the guts of the game are exposed in a certain way. Although, as I was ranting about earlier, I think a lot of people <laughs> miss some uh, of the ways in which the like poetry layer is load-bearing to the mechanics and vice versa. So, it's it's an it's it's an imperfect model for teaching people stuff because it depends on them to be able to figure out and do some engineering, yeah. you know, in reverse of your product. Uh, it's you know, no one learns how to make airplanes by just taking apart an airplane. Like that's not how we go about teaching. Like we might do that in the course of teaching, but we also have this whole structure around teaching people, um, and it's not really so with games. Uh, and if my you know, fairly short experience in the video game industry is to teach, taught me anything. It's that also like on the big level of like making games in that sense, people also still don't know what the fuck they're doing <laughs> and are good at like communicating or sharing information. And that's it with like, I worked on the world's largest sports video game title and it was a nightmare of like goofs and fumbles and just like, no one knew what the fuck was going on and planning everything oh. was a total mess. Uh, and so like most human endeavor is fundamentally like flawed and confused and jumbled. Mm -hmm. And even people who we see as experts probably couldn't tell us why or how they did a lot of things that they did. Mm -hmm. Or like they could give you a reason, but it would not be the full story. And only yeah. looking back in history with people doing a lot of study with a lot of like collective effort pointed at a it's, given thing, yes, yes. can we then really be like, oh, this works because of these reasons? Uh huh. Um, you know, because like a bunch of stuff that I'm going to do that's going to be successful in whatever game I make uh, is going to be on accident, <laughs> uh, or I'll just have happened to make a thing work, and so mm -hmm. later people can can ascribe why or how. But in the moment, I'm I'm not even the best person to answer. Just just doing the thing. So yeah, like I can ask that of other people, but maybe they don't know. Yeah. Maybe John yeah. was just like, I just made a cool looking sheet. I don't know. <laughs> and then you play a game with it, and it just happens to work. You know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I I think John is a very smart game designer. Uh, not to like talking down, but his approach, his way of working, is like totally different from my way of work. He makes yeah. sheets because he's a designer, like a layout guy. Uh, and so that's how he, that's how his brain can push through into games is by way of interface, uh -huh. he makes interface first, and then builds the stuff behind the interface as he goes. Um, whereas yeah. my way of thinking about it has been really uh, structural and from the inside out. Uh, and I really struggle to make, to like communicate the functioning that I envision the, so the, like the UI layer of it is something that I start how to like best signal these things to people. Um, so we all bring different kind of strengths and mindsets to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I like your, I like your point about that sort of the, the communal effort to document the thing and to codify the thing. God, like I was thinking 
last night or something about just how fucking complicated media is to consume these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how much foundational shit I need to know in order to appreciate a gif, like something that uh-huh. I consume, I consume in like less than a second. And I'm like, <laughs> there's like all this crazy shit going on of like all these nested meetings. Like memes are an incredibly dense cultural artifact mm-hmm. and we just fucking snap them up. No problem. But like, that has been built and built and built and built yeah. with all of these different types of media and like broader kind of structures of media. And then they're all still all this nuance to it where like, if I see a certain meme come up by way of black Twitter, that means one thing. Whereas if, you know, like it comes up in kind of more like mainstream Twitter, it means something else or it's going to have different nuance or it's going to be targeting at different people or be, you know, punching up or punching down variously depending on who's using it. And yep. we parse all of this meaning and we, can navigate this stuff. I mean, it's not always clean, but but yeah. when you get through that stuff, that stuff is like that is cultural trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even the like really complicated, advanced or like crafted stuff. And so, yeah, like people are still studying fucking Anne of Green Gables and shit. Like, uh-huh. you know, it's just like a little book about whatever. So. To think that any one person could fully understand something as complicated as like a role playing game uh-huh. in its time, even is a lot to expect. Yeah, um, to be able to understand it on that level of like I know exactly what everything means, why everything is what it is, how it works. Mm-hmm. It's like we just that kind of big academic sophistication. Yeah, is something that we don't we don't have about these things, and so it's very hard to then make the things uh-huh uh-huh it, it's a yeah. very confusing set of parameters to try to you know yeah it feels like it. sorry let me talk to me yeah, um it feels like instead of like the like because yeah the academic setting i think is a, is the analog that my brain automatically went to because we call uh, the idea of collecting knowledge and sort of collating it and figuring out the steps and all these things. Because right now what it feels like in a lot of ways and always has in a lot of ways and almost almost literally is we have like these, like the equivalent of like the old wise person on sitting on a mountaintop waiting for inspiration to strike or like to hand down the documents. And I mean, they're approachable wise people sitting on mountaintops in a lot of cases, but their their knowledge is still self-contained. It's all in here, right? Yeah, there's like an opaque thing that bars out game uh-huh. <laughs> and we yeah. have to wait <laughs> and we don't yeah. know how it does it yeah, yeah. And, and you can see like there are like uh, I'm going to start using like educational terminology but there's like progressive educators progressive game designers that are sort of building in that this is how you design a thing and this is how you run a thing into their stuff mm-hmm. which is a, sort of a new deal as well because it didn't used to be that way at all um, yeah absolutely it's very interesting to me. Like, I wonder if at some point we will move closer towards that, that sort of collective, no- collective knowledge base, or are the other pressures around the hobby too great to allow that to happen? Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been really wonderful that folks have been like, the thing that I found most interesting about Apocalypse World coming out was people getting up in arms about being told how to run the game. Yeah, yeah. Which was such a hilarious, like, 
signaling moment in the culture of role-playing games to have this idea that like there is the one player who is exceptional and has no rules and does whatever the fuck they want to. Mm-hmm. And yep. then there's everyone else who is like crammed in these tiny mechanical boxes. Please. And you just be like, no, you also have a box, motherfucker. Here it is. Let me try it. Like, this is your box. Welcome to the um, box. That was a way of demystifying jamming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like an incredibly important step. And Absolutely. That we are beginning also to demystify game designing uh, is super cool. And that I think given how our culture and like craft is currently like the current model for exchanging knowledge is as we were talking about earlier, like through finished works. Yeah. It is necessary to build into that finished work, the Mm -hmm. educational tools um, because they they will not exist anywhere else unless you write them. They aren't, they aren't. Yeah. So, so yeah, Yeah. I think think it's like fundamental that designers do that um, and that they put in some work on the back end supporting other folks. So like John is doing a really good job of this. uh, And like, I must give credit where it is due in terms of like, he designed his game to be like, it is eminently hackable. Uh, and exposes its guts to uh-huh. uh, everyone playing it as well as those designing it. Uh, and then he is doing the work of like providing ongoing framework and support to people who are hacking the games. Shout them out on the like Blades website, which is like a pretty small yeah. thing, but to connect his audience to this kind of larger network of games that are from his game is like it's good for him certainly it's going to make him more money and make his product more successful yeah Um, and it's also going to as delightful upsides make more people designers make more people game runners make more people involved in the like it's just going to do a bunch of really good work for everyone and Mm -hmm. so he had the foresight or sense or whatever to take that on um yeah is it great amazing we are lucky to have that uh and like people like sean nittner being super proactive about seeking like i was at colorado this couple weeks ago and sean was out there just being like yo i work at a publishing company so (laughs) if you have a game play your game with me we can see like i will talk to you about what it's going to need to get published etc and he did that with a bunch of different games and helped people cool kind of point themselves in that direction if that was something they were excited about doing. Um, and so having folks like that who are out there doing that work is is how it's got to be right now because there, yeah. no, there is no institution, there is no ivory tower of game design. Uh, yeah. As much as it feels like there's a mountain to, climb up <laughs> to talk to the wise man, right? Like there, there really isn't. There is nothing. It's yeah. people doing shit out of pocket, doing shit independently. That's... It's really fucking small as a you know as a craft as like a community Uh of artisans if you want to go down that road um yeah yeah like Uh, i think it's really important i wish there were more of it that's something i've been trying to to pull at yeah i think think there's a couple interesting points there because yeah i I guess in in retrospect the people who i would picture as being the wise person on the mountain probably don't think of themselves in that in that sense right oh god they're probably horrified at the idea (laughs) Yeah, with maybe a couple of exceptions, like Monty Cook. Monty Cook thinks he's sitting on a mountain somewhere. But everybody else is like... Um, but then, then there's also the idea that, like... 
and I mean no disrespect to literally anyone about this. It might sound like it at a very shallow level, but like I now think that I could probably design a game if I wanted to because so many people are doing it and doing it so well. Yeah. Like not yeah. not the, not the to say the justification of it, right? To me, like exactly. yes, you too can do this thing. That's exactly. what we need to do because yeah. having all these great conversations is. I was driving home. Man, what if I could make a game about something interesting? That I, <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Like, so yeah, like building the the sense of it, the accessibility of it is really great, and um, having there be like a rolling conversation that be a witness to and participate in um, has probably been the most important development in games. Yeah. In the past, you know, X amount of time, uh, and I think, yeah, like the so this is like before my time, but I. Forge and some of these other like early kind of design mm -hmm. forms, uh, they all tanked for good reason. Um, because again, we're coming back to this effective community building. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So, like, as the community matures, like, or as like people who do games mature and realize the need for uh, these communities and they try to make them and like, you know, like getting getting something good established in that sense is also going to be a great help to for uh -huh. every other aspect, right? Like those, they're so fundamental to anything else happening. Yes, yes, yeah. I think that the, one of the issues, and I'm and one of the interesting things about that that goes goes back to a conversation we were having way back at the beginning about how organization is not a male coded activity. <laughs> Self uh, self promotion and ambition are male coded activities, and so, and so in definitive for yeah how people yeah this is this is my like bugbear told subject um, <laughs> so I feel very strongly that, that all is true. Um, other people might find they have different experiences of it, and that's great. But for me personally, from where I've been standing, yeah, that's very much how it's felt. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, sort of circling back around on that uh, to put you on the spot a little bit. What is your what is your vision for how how Girl by Moonlight sort of gets into the world proper? Uh, so my timeline is tentatively. I want to be moving into. I want it to be publishable by by winter this year. Okay. That is okay. that is my timeline. Uh, don't hold me to it, because I know I fucking won't. <laughs> um, and so I would I would love to be at a point where I can, okay, this is like ready to go, and then I can look at publishing. I don't know what the shape of that is going to be. Um, uh -huh. There are some options around like Kickstarter and that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, since I am a person who has never designed a game before and has never like published a game before. Um, I didn't want to just be like, cool, I'm going to do a Kickstarter. Like, like <laughs> Fraser can do that because he has done it before and knows what he's getting himself into and can do the timelines and can have a sense of what the production is going to look like. Um, for me, I had no idea whether... Uh, and so I didn't want to sign myself up for a bunch of work that I wasn't sure I could commit to uh, or complete. And so I am saving anything like that for the latter end of it if I do end up on that route. Um, so that's definitely one, is to like do a Kickstarter and just kind of do the 
Mm -hmm. basic independent publishing kind of mode. I definitely want to have there be a book by whatever Physical way book. I get there. I want there to be, I want I, to mm -hmm. have a budget for art so that I can get a bunch of people that I want to support. And like, I just want to use it as a way yeah. to like gather a bunch of money and then give that money to. Yeah. Um, and I would be really excited about that. Uh, one thing that I think would be cool for Kickstarter is the option of having stretch goals and like bringing in some other designers to do little add-ons and bits and pieces. Although I would probably curate that really ruthlessly because I'm just that kind of person um, where I have like a certain vision for it and I wouldn't want to just give people carte blanche. So I'd be yeah, kind, of, yeah. kind of a shit in that way. I'd be like, make this exact thing that I, I'm not going to design it, but I'm going to mostly design it and execute on it and do all the boring stuff. Here you go. Um, <laughs> so like there is, there is the possibility of that. Um, I think like I, if, in a perfect world, I would farm out this making pre-gen content stuff to other people. So I think other people would be a lot better at it than I, um, uh, and stuff like that would make sense as like structural. So there's, I've been doing some considering on how I want to go through yeah. with that, but first and foremost, uh, I want to make the game and have the game yeah. done. Uh, yeah. And then once I am like, once I have reached that point, I'm at you know like through the desert and I emerge on the other side with my thing, then I'll start actually thinking about what the fuck to do. <laughs> you know, That's like fair. I just need to get there first because I don't even fair. know if I can. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. That is a very good question to which I cannot level a well, effective answer. Um, and it's yet another realm that I have to enter into that I have never, you know, it's another thing I haven't done before. Yeah. Uh, and, and couldn't even begin to tell you what the full process would be like. And there are bits of it that I won't know what to think of and stuff. So I'll have to talk to some friends who are experts <laughs> and be like, what do I do now? <laughs> I, I feel like if nothing else, the, the like indie RPG community can probably help you walk through Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, um, I've got uh, Johnstone Metzger lives in town, and that dude be like, so last night I, I was just asleep, and so I made a book. I made like a 600-page <laughs> supplement. You know, like his, his fucking like stretch goal thing for second skins are for monster hearts is its own game. It's space Worm versus unicorn and it's mm -hmm. fucking yeah. amazing. And it's this like huge book. It's full color. Like that dude knows how to make a book. Let me tell you. So I could probably be like Johnstone. I have this pool of money. Here's a portion of it. <laughs> you, just, you just do this. And he would be like, you haven't spoken to me in several years. I'll be like, I know bad at managing my time. Please help me. <laughs> it would be something like that. God, I'm the worst. Because like there are there are lots of people in town here, and I'm just not. A, a great regret I have. My time management is so poor that I don't get to see all of these cool people and like engage with them. And probably there's a bunch of folks that would be willing to support me if I actually talk to them. You know, all this kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. But like fucking being a human being is difficult. Uh, is uh -huh. what I found. Um, and the one thing I can like muster up. The one thing that doesn't generate a shitload of like anxiety for me is the work. Yeah. Um, and just like just doing the work feels really clear and concrete, even with game design being a task that I haven't taken on before. 
um, it's it can be broken down into its constituent units, and those units can yeah. be completed, and they can be written on checklists, and the list can have little boxes that I check. And check <laughs> grind ever forward towards completion mm -hmm. um and you know like that's that is a thing that it, my brain wants to do it wants to have clear tasks and do them this is why i fucking uh -huh. tunnel into like yeah this is why i play too much path of exile for example <laughs> i'll make the character <laughs> i just do it um and turn into like a horrible game crunching monster uh Whereas the like asking people for things part is like mm -hmm. that is like yeah. the scariest thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Difficult. Well just 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 write their name on a piece of paper and put a checkbox next to it. And... <laughs> I, no, I do that. <laughs> I have, like, to do it. Game design prom Y slash M. Yeah, talk to these people about this thing with a little checkbox. Oh, I did that one. I didn't do this other one. Oh. Yeah. No, I that's that's how that's how anything ever gets done in this world. It's chaotic jumble. I was gonna say you for some reason you strike me as a very task oriented individual, so yeah. That makes complete sense to me. Tasks are not as scary as people, so I'll I'll that stick is to them. Two hundred percent true. Like I don't have irrational anxiety <laughs> I feel I have like irrational anxiety about talking to people <laughs> you know, like we have very many similar species of brain spiders, it seems. <laughs> oh, webs are compatible. Yeah. Uh, mm. So, um, kind of on a more RPGs as a whole sort of thing, um, we, we've been mm -hmm. making an effort to um, talk to, you know, like indie game devs and, and that sort of thing, and also giving them a spot to sort of nerd out about other games they may be playing that they're super big on and want to get the word out about. So do mm. you have any of those right now? Uh, well, I think I, I can't let Adam be the only person who says no trash, just play my game. <laughs> um, so I'm say that first. <laughs> but if you like eating garbage, then, mm -hmm. um, Here's the yeah, I mean, I'm still really part. excited about Blades in the Dark. I mm -hmm. nearly got my score of that. Um, and I played in the first season of it over on Elf's channel, and then I ran the second. Um, so yeah, Blades is still super good and in my mind, and I know cool Blades shit coming out very soon that John is making, so you know, that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> probably never get to play it. You are a tease um, of the worst sort. <laughs> I don't know. Keep keep your eyes on it. Uh, there will be stuff. Um, gosh, what else am I stoked about? Um, I mean, I'm like, I've already mentioned a bunch of people who are designers, and you should check out all of their stuff, like Fraser and Ash and Luke. Mm -hmm. um, this, I think, Luke and Ash uh, are probably less well known. Uh, and therefore deserve a little extra shouting. Um, Luke is Games from the Wildwood, and they have like a game where you are trees that is kind of in the vein of the Quiet Year, but like you're not magical trees. Like, just you're trees. just you're just trees. Everyone is a tree, um, and it's it's 
legit. It's fun. Uh, they have Across the NC, which is a very cool... Um, it, I feel like it's also kind of in the... It's like one foot in Fall of Magic, one foot in The Quiet Year, is how I would pitch it. Oh, that's a pedigree. Um, wow. And so it's like... It's very good. Um, and is relatively... like You can play it pretty quick, and it's compressed, and it has a timeline. Like It has a specific duration, which is nice. Um, and generally, they have a lot of games around feelings and stuff. Uh, and then there's that... I, I always confuse the names of Ash's game, but she just dropped it in chat. I'm going to scroll back and see it. Um, blah, blah, blah. Words, words, words. Uh, what is the name of it? It's like the space between us or something. Um, but yeah, uh, Luke and Ash co-authored it and i think maybe melody also worked on it um and it's really good uh it's kind of in the vein like luke will hate me for saying this it's called between dreams uh and it's kind of like a magical realism type of uh vaguely miyazaki vaguely god what's that other what's that author Anyways, it's cool. You should play it. I don't know. Just look her up. Look up Ash McCallan and look up Luke Jordan and their games because their games are all real good. Um, cool. Yeah, I think I feel like I need to promote them. Murakami. Uh, because those two have been incredibly kind and supportive to me. And I would be an absolute piece of shit if I didn't talk about them uh, and pay it back. Uh, but other than that, I kind of exist in this like very narrow space of games because like all of my game time is fucking spoken for. It's all yeah. scheduled, it's all streamed, and I don't generally get to make choices about what games I play. Um, for both of the Roll Twenty shows, uh, it is prescribed uh, because one of them has to be D anD. d because mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's going to get people in, and that's going to like serve the purposes of the show, which is mostly to show off and promote and demo uh, Roll Twenty for people. Yeah, um, and so yeah, basically, like we're always going to do a D and D stream every week, and then I have one other spot with that program. Uh, right now, we're doing Burning Wheel. Uh, I am not one hundred percent sure what we're doing after that. But at some point, we'll play something else. Um, but again, like there are things motivating that, and I'm getting like that's my one thing where I get I get fucking paid, so professionalism kicks in, and I'm just like, yes, I will do whatever is asked. I will bring a good performance to whatever you put in front of me, even if I hate the game. <laughs> God, so I'm um... mage. Fuck out of here, mage. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> I played it, and I made a compelling character. I think delivered some good performances and that's that's what I'm there to do. I'm not there to do things that I like for fun. I'm there to put on a show and do a good job. So that is what I do. Um and then yeah, I have a playtest of my own game on actual play right now yeah. and you know like I'm going to be doing that circuit for a long time and play my own game a lot. Uh so yeah, like a lot of my game time is spoken for. I might have made the completely schedule suicidal decision of trying to work yet another game in to my schedule but like a 
an in-person game with some friends mm-hmm. here in town. Oh. Um, and one of them at least is, in, is like down with blades. So I might end up running blaze, nice. which would be cool. Um, yeah. Assuming that ever gets off the ground, it can be scheduled. We have to fight the, the ultimate boss first though, of my schedule. Yeah. A a, truly <laughs> powerful beast. Adult scheduling is truly one of the great monsters of our time. Because just to put it in perspective for folks, uh, normally Thursdays is nine hours of roleplay because it's five hours of Burning Wheel, and then every other Thursday wow. it's four hours of Girl by Moonlight and the roleplay, which I will I am the GM for. And then Fridays it's D and D, and then Saturdays uh, I am on a podcast for two or three hours, and then have a four hour block on Ash's channel. Starting on April first on Sundays, biweekly I will have a four hour spot on my own channel where I'm running Girl. And then I work two days a week at the bike shop. So I have Mondays off only uh, from wow. April forward. Uh, and it's a lot of hours every week. Um, so it's hard to fit stuff in. Yeah. It's very hard. <laughs> yeah. Now I feel even more thankful that you chose to spend some of your extremely limited yeah. free time with us. Like, I mean, I got to I gotta do the media for my game. <laughs> uh, I'm also delighted to be here talking. It's great. But like... This is this is part of the work is to fucking hustle and put in a bunch of time and try to um make a decent run of being a game designer y person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Excuse me. Oh, okay. so, yes. yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. I actually wanted uh, to piggyback on one of the things that you'd said about um about being a like a good player on stream is did you find do you find that being a good player on stream being uh, different than being a good player at a table. Oh god, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. Like it's, I'm not there to serve my own purposes. I'm not just there to have fun. Um, for one, and like, I do have fun sometimes. Um, but I am, you know, keenly aware of the fact that it it is it's always often someone else's show or has some particular objective. Uh, and so I want to make sure that my play satisfies those objectives, whatever they may be. Um, and also that I need to be like extra mindful of other people because um, streaming, you only have one audio channel, which is a really important thing. Yeah. Uh, no one can talk at the same time as like it just immediately is lost. Like as soon as two of y'all are talking or if I'm talking, it's, I I cannot, the words don't come through clearly. Yeah. Uh, and so for the audience, that's a really big important thing is that there just be one, one voice at a time and one kind of thread that they can follow. Uh, generally folks are listening, not watching. Um, and so we have to be mindful of that and kind of provide description that's going to be, you know, doesn't doesn't have a lot of like hand gestures. I don't want to be like it's this big. Right. Uh, describe, you know, I want to keep the audio clean and good and easy to follow. Um, I want to try to like I don't do accents and stuff, but I try to characterize my dialogue and make it clear when I'm speaking in character or when I'm not, because I do a lot of stepping back and forth between the two. Um because I mostly I mostly play at a remove. You know, folks who watch probably notice that I tend to third person my character around. I don't do a I do this or whatever. I always talk about my character doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and part of that is a decision on my part to be really clear about um, 
And so, yeah, like playing on stream is a different beast. There's a whole set of considerations. Um, it's the kind of thing, and like, and it's a job. It's something that I view and work, and that changes your perspective on stuff as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's been weird doing a podcast because they can edit it. Oh, yeah, which is wild. So I, I have room to like flub, uh, which is nice. Because <laughs> uh, when you're doing shit live, that's a mm-hmm. thing too. Because like you get kind of your very limited window and to do stuff. You want to make sure that it is both like good as a performance in the moment. And then also is building towards something good, like on the broader arc of the story and all this kind of stuff with the podcast. Like I can just be like mm, this thing. And then like, ah, no, 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 fuck that. Thing. <laughs> this other thing. I just like, I can <laughs> goof my words and then stop, take a breath and then say it again and have it come out clean um so that's been interesting as a as a shift it still mostly is just kind of done live but uh like we don't do a ton of editing or like redoing scenes or whatever but it's just a, a very different context i think the live element is definitely a big challenge um and has code has kind of like ingrained in me some very thinking role-playing um Including the bit where I compulsively look to my right side monitor to check chat, even when uh-huh. and there's no chat, I'm still doing it. Uh, <laughs> habits like that to the to the point. It's trained in me to the point that I wait for chat to. I wait for the delay, and then I look. <laughs> Anytime something interesting happens, Man. one, two, three, four, boom, and like <laughs> my my muscle memory is just doing it. <laughs> it was wild to catch myself doing that. Um, yeah, it's, we've been, we've been doing it and I always forget when we started, but like 2013, 2014, um, with the Roll20 crew, that was like the first show. Um, and it's been, it's been a big learning process in terms of like finding a stride and finding ways to make work. And it's been a lot of being better at the table and being a better listener and being more active listener uh, and trying to think about engaging more characters in a given story and like really trying to do a better job of being a role player um, is what it has pushed me to do first and foremost Um, because nothing motivates me like someone else (laughs) doing something for someone else is the best way to get me because I don't really give a shit about doing stuff for my own sake which is a horrible behavior i got lots of bad behaviors um that's definitely one of them so so yeah i think it's had a really positive effect on my skills as a role player um and made me be more critical about yeah. myself in a, in a productive way yeah awesome. I mean, at the rate you're, you're you're screaming towards ten thousand hours of like online role playing for mastery there oh gosh yeah if, if we're using that model yeah hundreds and hundreds of hours um and and you know it's not just the time that you're Mm -hmm. thinking about things and um playing out scenes in my head or to like have a plan of i'm going to say these exact things but just to practice being in characters yeah um, trying to think about like i try to imagine hypotheticals for my characters and what kinds of stuff they might do 
when situations come up, I can either loop in and adapt one of those hypotheticals or at least have a kind of framework and understanding of what they're like um, and just keep them consistent and solid because, yeah, like watching and people care and are paying attention. So don't be inconsistent. Don't, yeah. you know, have bad habits. Don't always inflect your voice a certain way because that annoys people. All these little fun things. <laughs> that said, some people are never happy. Uh, oh, and I oh, do yeah. go through on these shows um, just to kind of get a barometer because, again, I want to make sure that I'm not, like, if I'm constantly the sore thumb and people are always talking about at least to just get them stuck on something else. Um, <laughs> and there's, like, there's one guy who just fucking hates one of my characters and goes <laughs> way out of his way to comment. And I'm just like, yo, you're still watching. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have done my job. But yeah, it's wild out there. People get really invested. Audiences, having an audience is fucking weird. Strange. <laughs> and we don't even have a huge audience. We, we're like the third biggest. RPG show, if 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 even that, because there's always Critical Role and uh, MEJP's role play. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not I'm not on one of those. Those are the big audiences. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> I can't even imagine what that's like. Just the sheer like <laughs> scale of it is pretty baffling to me. So, I think I think. Y'all are still several miles ahead of where we are, even if you're number three. So, um, and I could definitely be wrong. I don't know what the full. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't have time to keep tabs on everything because I'm too busy making stuff. Yeah. So no time for stats. Uh, or just like <laughs> to keep up with other roleplay content. Like, who knows? Yeah. That that actually. Do you ever like go back and watch game tape? Uh, so back when I wasn't making as much, like for the first Apocalypse World show, uh, every week my homework was to rewatch the last week's episode. Um, cause I wanted to, especially for that breakout one, I wanted to keep everything super fucking tight and like, really yeah. and this is still something I value of just being like, really, are we, are we talking about this? Like, are we wasting time on this thing? Like, let's try to just prune it down to what is the most exciting stuff. And I found that watching the episode through um was like you know so much better than any kind of note taking mm -hmm. yeah um because it's just exactly literally what happens you get to see it again um <laughs> and having that fresh in my mind going into the next week's session um thinking about it you know like off camera basically uh was all super helpful uh and I think I stopped having time to do that after the first season of Burning Wheel. Um, just, there was just starting to be too much. Because once we were doing, certainly once we got on two shows a week for Roll20, it was, yeah. it was just like, I can't watch, I can't watch all like 16 hours or 20 hours that I have produced of content, right? Like, I just can't do that. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. And as there were more and more things, honestly, it becomes more and more actually do that because I've got these five different threads that I'm uh, playing in. Uh, so I've tried to do better about taking notes. I've tried to um, 
in games I'm running, I try to really push the recap work onto the players and just be like, hey, what happened? Mm-hmm. What was interesting? Like, what are what did, what stuck yeah. out for y'all? And then what can we start focusing on today? Um, and to do a little bit of off-camera work, talking about folks and checking in and being like, cool, where do we want this story to go? I think there's a probably it would be something that people wouldn't think to do because it will like spoil the magic or whatever. But like, honestly, talk to everyone about where you want the story to go, what kind of stuff you want to cover on a given day, have a plan and try to stick to it um, because you're putting on a show and you got to keep it clean and on point and on topic and moving and interesting. Uh, And so anything you can do to streamline that process and get rid of the ums and the gaffes and the like pointless, you know, eddies of the story, um, do it. Definitely. Less, mm-hmm. less and less and less. Cut and cut and cut. That's what that's what everyone should always be trying to do is eliminate shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, has the online sort of play for Girl by Moonlight specifically has that been a useful to, to uh, for your design? Yeah, I mean it's opened up uh, a bunch of playtesting options because like I don't, I don't have a a group locally to play with so it helps that i can you know do a play test with ash who's in australia or sean andy and strash who are in you know various parts of the u.s um and uh i made a really like rudimentary role mac basic character sheet and then ash helped me refine it so there is a better sheet that's coming out with the next release um to help folks play test and i think also yeah that it it helps other people play the game, which is probably the most important thing. Yeah. Just getting as many people able to play it. And if they find out about the game online and can't mm-hmm. play the game online, that's just one more barrier yeah. to them, right? Like ideally when they go to click on my game, it would just be like, and these people are playing it or these people want to play, it. chat with each other, figure it out. Um, because yeah, you just want there to be as little stopping people as possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like applications like Roll Twenty and stuff like that uh, are a blessing in that way, um, and they don't—they're not paying me to say that. Uh, <laughs> they're paying me to do other stuff. Yeah, uh, we've been using Roll Twenty for a long time. It's uh, definitely yeah. a handy tool, especially when we're spread across in all of North America at this point. Yeah, and and you know, it's a sufficiently niche hobby that you gotta. You gotta lean on the internet to make it happen if you want it to happen reliably as an adult, I feel. Yeah. Like getting <laughs> grown up people to commit to like weekly things is a mm-hmm. a Sisyphusian, Sisyphian <laughs> task. Anyways, it's the pushing the boulder yeah. forever. Especially when you work technical gremlins and just all that stuff in there. It's Yeah. The there fact, are already so many things working against you. The fact that it happens mm-hmm. anywhere for everybody is sort of just like a miracle when you think about it. <laughs> yes. Um, I, oh, go sorry. Um, I, I think that you have a very good point, though, uh, way back with the streams for your design, where if I'm streaming, I have to do the thing, right? For a, To make sure a game happens online, if you're like, oh, we stream on Tuesday nights... Like, yep. that's an extra level of, like, oh, we have to be there to stream on Tuesday nights for those, like, two and a half people to watch us on average. But, yeah, any, <laughs> anything that gets you, you know, gets you in the chair and doing the thing mm-hmm. is is good, even if you're tricking yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, we fucking stick to our schedule with all the Roll20 stuff. I say that one was canceled today. But 
very, very rare that they get I make bringing my laptop and traveling so that I can still be in for the stream on Thursday and Friday and then do something out of town, you know, that kind of thing. So it yeah, it keeps you keeps you on board and engaged in a way that just doing it for fun doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you here's a here's a really weird question. Do you ever go creep on Girl by Moonlight streams? Just like go and like secretly watch people play your game? I, I usually announce my presence if I'm rolling in. Uh there hasn't been because I'll either be in the stream already <laughs> or I don't know that it's happening, I guess. Because maybe some other yeah. but um yeah, there were a couple running for a minute. I did watch them. Um and like take notes and it, this was all like very early in the it was mostly very surface level stuff that I was able to get at i haven't i haven't had someone do like a full run of it that i can yeah uh, except except myself i'm the only person that i know of who has done that along with the people i played with obviously but yeah and like you know and honestly the game in the very early stages wasn't in a could comfortably be run for a whole like arc so you know it's not like i'm blaming anyone for that <laughs> um but it's it's i feel like it's stable now and it's very playable so i would i would hope that someday soon i'll get someone being like yeah we played 10 sessions here's all of our stuff <laughs> uh, if, if you're out there and you have please send me your feedback <laughs> please, <laughs> even just to say we did it that would be nice. No, it happened. Have the uh, the annotated yeah, John cause... Madden of the video. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to doodle on stuff. Sorry, it was coming. No, I. Right. It would be great. I could see it. All right, I got another off the wall question for you that is totally unrelated to anything else we've asked so far. Great. Um. Uh, the there are a number of unpainted minis to your right. And one of the folks wanted me to ask about them. Oh yeah. Um so I play War Machine. Um and currently I am working on a Magnus the Warlord list. So I've got awesome. my custom they're all like kit bashes of Signar Warjacks because basically the general is like a he's a traitor. He serves the like deposed king in exile, so I have all of his like defector signar stuff that i kit bashed together um because he's actually in a different faction um so i'm working on painting those up uh i stream a lot of my painting so yeah that's something i do on my channel when i have time and the wherewithal um i think when when the weather the weather's been pretty good and the main barrier has been that some stuff like these guys are still just the raw pewter they're not uh, base coated yet, and it's because I can't go outside and use my spray paints for them oh. um, because of the humidity, temperature, etc. factors for it. So I got to wait for the weather to be a little. Um, and then I'm going to get back into that. But I really love, you know, converting, sculpting, modifying all that stuff, and then the painting. I like playing the game, but. <laughs> there isn't time for that. I cannot do it on the internet, so it doesn't happen. Um, and I, I miss playing the game. I also miss a hobby that I don't have time for, like playing Sweet. sports. I, I used to be able to play bike polo 
um, which is a super cool thing that I do. Uh, I say I do, but it's more like I used to do because I don't get any chances to play anymore. And it makes me really sad. Because, uh, yeah, all other hobbies have been gobbled by <laughs> fucking game design. Just ate my life. Um, that and streaming. Um, so it's rough. But, yes, I love building and painting minis. It's a good time. Awesome. Cool. I like yeah. the dexterity for that. It's all it's all practice. I used to be hot trash at painting, and now I'm, like, pretty good. Um, it's all, like... This is, this is another thing I can talk about. It's all about getting access to that knowledge uh-huh. of how to do the thing um, to make it you know, a little more approachable and know where to direct your energy. And then you can do it. Um, which is another reason why I like streaming painting, because people are like, oh, how do you do that? And I can be like, well, let me fucking show you live. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that kind of stuff is super cool. And I love when I'm, when I can learn something just kind of off the cuff that way and someone can just do something that they are excited about and show me how um, is great. Like, I love, I love picking up new skills and trying new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's me doing most of these things that I do now. <laughs> yeah, and that like the like skill trading that we humans do is is really amazing. Sometimes it's like show yeah, me this like thing. It, it's so easy for someone who knows how to show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. Um, and like teaching people is a skill set, and like some people are better at it than others. But even them just doing it in front of you. Mm-hmm. Is so informative and exposes so much. Um, yeah, that's been like the great blessing of all this stuff. Like, I feel like um, people can like watch me and the Roll Twenty crew playing games and like learn how to play those games or learn how to be. Because not to like toot my own horn or anything, but like we're pretty good role players. <laughs> we make good stories we treat uh-huh. each other with respect we engage with difficult topics in productive ways like we can demo a lot of really good habits for people and it can expand their understanding of like what behaviors fit into the category of role playing as well um because for a lot of folks being a good conversationalist or being a good person don't factor into playing role playing games mm-hmm. um and they those skills should those matter um and so being able to demonstrate that for people and model that behavior i think is really important and if we don't do it someone else is going to do it and they're going to do it wrong uh-huh right yeah like the cutie pies of the world will be showing people how to behave and that's just mm. like it's just not acceptable well that's yeah that's the thing that's always sort of well not always but since i sort of become slightly more enlightened as a human i guess uh has struck me as odd is how social foundation of our hobby is and how little a lot of us worry about how we act in that space and how how we approach the social aspects of it yeah there's a lot of unexamined behavior Mm -hmm. in there yeah and and like weird leftover stuff like like how the gm or the dungeon master in a DD responsible for everything Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? It's not in the game. Nope. That um, is... But it's like this emergent property of how the game is. <laughs> yeah. 
because there is this like long thread of culture where that kind of was always the case where like, you know, like Gary or whoever else would, would be like running the game. Or was this like weird nerd power trip for those people. And that shitty behavior of theirs got encoded into the game subtle ways and into the culture in really explicit ways. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's also interesting. So I had, there's a, a, Really weird story they have that one of my good friend's father uh, wound up playing D&D with Arneson at one point at Arneson's table. And he said that the whole thing, they had not just the GM screen, right? But he had like those like hood and things where you couldn't see him at all. And the idea was he was pulled out of the experience. Yeah. Um, and he was sort of, Behind the the man behind a disembodied narrator kind of yeah interesting yeah and and but so so that wasn't necessarily like a I'm dominating this table by my presence thing but I'm sure to some of the people playing with him it definitely read that way and if you hear about that like apocryphally like yeah that sounds like the thing a creepy power nerd would do well like, and it's it's like oh I can't be seen I'm too special I'm uh-huh. magical mystery like even if it it's like the inversion of taking mm-hmm. up space by like eliminating yeah. yourself from it. You're still making yourself more special. It's like how Hemingway used to write his name in lowercase and it's like, cool. Yeah. You're real humble, except that makes you stick out on the line. <laughs> Cause everyone else's name is uppercase. You fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> you know, it's yep. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Any, any exceptionalist behavior can create a weird paradigm. Yeah. Especially when, one way or another, the hobby, every everyone in the hobby sort of reifies that sort of person, that specific, mm-hmm. those specific people for so long that those behaviors not only become normalized, but almost idealized to the point where that's yeah. where you're supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. Uh, the, the, uh, ever since, like, because I, I did my grad work in like, uh, educational psychology, and so once I started looking at the world that way, Oh, yeah. My hobby got a lot weirder. When I looked <laughs> oh, at it. We're, we're acting real funny. Here. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's people bringing their discipline to the hobby mm-hmm. can only be good, in my opinion, because it will lead to better and different analyses of how fucked up and weird it is. <laughs> and, like, maybe it's like, oh, this is fucked up and weird in this really wonderful yeah. Look at this cool. But also, yeah, we can prune and eliminate some problems. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Like like a lot of what we do I I find really like cool and inspiring. Um the way that we were talking earlier about like the collective the collectivism and the, the sort of working together to make the thing happen. And in a lot of cases that happens spontaneously, mm-hmm. uh absent any sort of framework given you by the game because that's the thing that you try to do but at the same time a lot of times it doesn't and things get really really bad so yeah like D does not include a manual how to make four friends to play with. <laughs> <laughs> it provides no structure for enabling that um, uh-huh. but but yeah i think for a lot of people that's the biggest hurdle yeah just like getting a, a group. Um, it's the it's the least tangible part of the whole equation. Yeah. Um, and so 
gosh, yeah, I wish I wish it had some some help in there. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not even just getting a group, but like getting a group and having that group be compatible and knowing when to bail if it isn't or when to like put your shoulder into it and try to make it work or like. Yep. I mean, that's just the business of being a human. The mm-hmm. incredibly difficult, complicated, tragic business of being a human. It really is. So it really ready. is. Says <laughs> <laughs> um, the woman in cat ears. Uh, hey, look, I'm trying to opt out wherever I can, okay? Like, just get on my level. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, uh, so uh, our technical gubbins seem to be expanding slightly, and uh, I think oh, the stream great. may be cutting out. But we've been going oh, for no. like two and a half hours, so maybe this is a good spot to wrap up, if that works well, for Was you. there anything else you wanted to, to touch base on? Is that is that me that yeah. we're asking? Uh, I mean, I think, I'll go. I'll, I'll do this all night, but you're the one that gets to tell us. I mean, yeah, we can just keep talking and not have to work. Three minutes, uh, so we can have a secret interview after this one that none of the people watching will get to know about. And now, even if we don't do it, they'll think we did it. Yeah, exactly. We, exactly. We did that with John, and then it, it stretched like another three hours. So you know, beware. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just I got a challenge accepted. I had an hour sit down with John totally on accident. Six of the hours of it were streamed, but then there were another two afterwards. <laughs> More yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm down. I'm down to keep talking, but if technical close the stream so that the content remains good. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to have like, you know, the end of it kind of fall to shit technically, not from a conversation wise, because like, I feel like this has been really rad, but I don't want it to, you know, become a slog yeah, to get yeah. through because it doesn't work. We'll keep, we'll keep the people wanting more, and you'll just have. Dude, we will have you. Love to do this again. Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I have <laughs> a separate side chat that I'm trying to like manage, where I'm, I'm trying to bring people back for the comeback tour for stuff. So like, you're on that mm. list, and um, I, no. I may ping you for a thing in the future that I can't go into yet, but. Yeah, let this be the beginning of a long-standing community relationship. Hey, I, I, yeah. I dig it a lot. Um, so, first off, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and um, like just kind of honest about about everything. It's it's nice to have just like a, a frank discussion about. I mean, anything oh, in general. Oh, yes, but yes. You um, count on me to be blunt. <laughs> Correct, <laughs> as that, much as I can be. That, I, those are things I value. Yeah, that's definitely what we're here for. Um, so, uh, before we do our whole outro th- thing, why don't you go through your um, plug all the things? You have the unlimited uh, power strip, so use all the plugs. Unlimited power. <laughs> okay. So, the first thing I'm going to plug tonight is feminism. Uh, go get you some. Get you Slug. some feminism. Look it up, Slug. nerds. Go kiss some types of people that you wouldn't normally. Uh, try weird relationship stuff that you maybe don't think is right for you. Give it a shot. Talk about it. Talk about your feelings. Um, there is no such thing as straight people. Uh, the government is lying to you about pretty much everything, and everyone exploit you. So burn it down, tear it down. Uh, be nice to each other. Um, first and foremost, all of that stuff. You said I could plug anything. No, no, I'm not saying it's yeah, bad. No. It's just <laughs> yeah. no one's ever used 
that opening to plug feminism, which I mean, yeah, it's shout good. out to feminism. <laughs> we'll see you out there You're doing good stuff. Keep changing and growing. I like it. Um, shout out to queer theory, uh, queer every binary, as it, uh, so famously and adroitly said. Um, play some weird games. Play games by queer or otherwise marginalized designers. I will platform for queer people because that's where I'm from. But there are great designers of color and other folks out there. Um, try all their shit. When you've done that and you feel like you are ready, play Girl by Moonlight, a game about tragic magical girls by yours truly, Andrew Gillis. Um, and you can have lots of feelings in it. The game reliably makes feelings in people. It's pretty cool. Um, so get ready for some feelings. Uh, I recommend feeling things. It is a good time. Or sad time. It's a bunch of times. But even then, it's a uh, good time. You can watch me on a bunch of different Twitch channels. Twitch.tv slash Sedgiac, A-C-E-G-I-A-K. Um, or Twitch.tv slash Roll20 app. Twitch.tv slash D&D, because I'm super official that way. Um, I'm streaming in all these places. I'm going to be starting a Girl by Moonlight playtest on my channel. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Actual Factual on April 1st. Um, so it's going to be like in the afternoon Pacific time. Uh, that's going to be with me, with Luke, uh, who is a game designer, Daniel, who is one of the editors for Monster Hearts and is a super secret badass that no one knows about. And he's going to be on a stream for like the first time ever uh, with Alex Roberts, who is a game designer uh, and a cool lady all around. And she has games about feelings uh, and Kira, who is also a cool game designer. Um, and I also stream other random stuff like video games sometimes and painting minis sometimes. And I rant about shit occasionally on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at commuting crow. And that's the best way to find any and all of these things I've talked about. If any of them appeal to you, I'm also making stretch goals for Fraser Simon's hack the planet. Um, they are for a manufactured person in the vein of end up girl. Uh, programmed to like genetically encoded to want to like file things instead of be afraid of things or have sex. Um, and there's a bunch of fucked up stuff in there. I highly recommend that you play it <laughs> when it comes out. It's it's going to be a trip. Um, and then I'm also making a playbook uh, that's kind of going to be like the Hull or the Vampire in Blades, but for when you're too fucking cybered up and have like removed your brain and spinal column from your original body and certain into other stuff and getting weird um and it's gonna be all about like obsession and being a sort of post-human thing and what that's like uh i'm really excited about all these things and you should be too yeah definitely that's Sounds cool. oh jeez <laughs> sorry that's how we know we're done punctuated yeah. with it <sighs> <laughs> um, so, uh, that is going to wrap up our improbable interview for tonight. Um, I have a few upcoming ones to, uh, lay out for you. I had to get my phone out so I can look at my calendar. Um, on next Thursday, the 29th of March, we are, uh, interviewing Kira. Um, nice. on the 30th of March, we're interviewing, uh, Tracy Barnett. Barnett? I'm bad at last names. Uh, let me scroll down. And on the 12th of April, we are interviewing Luke, uh, AKA games from the Wildwood in chat. Yeah. Um, 
we have, there are some other ones in the works that I'm still nailing down. Uh, there's there's a lot of schedule gubbins to figure out, as we have previously discussed. But um, that's the thing. We thing. we hope to keep doing these as long as people are still willing to spend time talking to us for some reason. So we're just not going to question it. You got to do it for the culture and for the community. I don't know. Mm -hmm. This stuff is really nice and really important. Yeah, I, I figure the the least we can do is is try to give people a platform to to speak from, regardless of how small our platform might be. So. Um, Shut up. <laughs> well, he was already here. He's already here, so it's fine. We can pull the, the curtain back on that one. Um, no, but uh, yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, we hope you continue to do so. Follow us at, at that D&D podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're also that D&D podcast.com, youtube.com slash that D&D podcast, twitch.com slash that D&D podcast. We're not really original with names. I don't know if you've noticed that, but um, it's one of our our features uh so yes that'll be all for us tonight uh thank you again andrew for coming on and uh have a good night out there everybody